Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome on to a post-trade deadline tradition here on Hollinger and Duncan. And that is going back slightly more than one year's time to look back on the 2023 trade deadline and a lot happened (laughs) there's always more than we remember happened Uh, some of these are are completely ridiculous trades uh, that will should never be talked about again but yet you're tuning in to this to listen to us talk (laughs) about them uh we 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 spent a half half an hour on the noah vonley deal (laughs) so yeah, but I just your overall impressions, John, as you look back on all the shit that went down at that 2023 trade deadline. Did you have any overarching thoughts? The I mean, the dominant theme obviously was the Brooklyn Nets doing an about face. I mean that that set the tone of that whole trade deadline. No, absolutely. I you know so I would say obviously the Kyrie trade. KD trade. We'll talk about those in a second. Go through the terms. How do they look now a year on? What I would say, though, actually, well, I don't know. Maybe not. I, I With maybe one exception, I would say that this deadline seemed really seismic at the time, but yes. that probably less it's actually had less of an effect than I thought it would at the time. Interesting. I mean, I thought it obviously like the Suns haven't really done anything yet, right? Like they haven't been dominant. They were summarily dismissed in the second round of the playoffs. Yes. Yes. Uh, the Mavs didn't even make the playoffs with Kyrie. Brooklyn has basically been the most irrelevant franchise outside of Chicago in the league. Like at least you know the Pistons are interesting because they're so bad and they're like doing stuff. Ouch. So I, you know, it's and like. The Clippers did a bunch of stuff like that really ended up like not mattering hardly at all in the end, other than that they didn't get Cam Whitmore in the draft and instead Mm -hmm. got Kobe Brown. Not that they would have gotten Whitmore necessarily, but you know, that's, that's what they ended up trading in that swap. Yeah. So I, I guess, yeah, I was, I mean, maybe it's just because Phoenix and Dallas haven't performed since then, but I ended up like, you, we thought that this was just going to completely change the face of the league. And I think a lot of these deals just ended up being less impactful than it seemed they would. It might still change the face of the league, sure. but in 2030, because there were <laughs> s- six unprotected firsts, I think, that were exchanged. Six unprotected firsts. Well, four yeah, so for KD, four. one with Russ, and one for Kyrie. Uh, that one was top four. The Lakers one was top four protected. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess maybe the exception would be if you're of the opinion that that Lakers trade is what vaulted them to where they ended up. And Russell didn't do a ton in the playoffs. He was good for them in the regular season, which, I mean, remember, they're in, what, 13th place, the Lakers, when they made that trade and they got all the way up to 7th. Mm-hmm. With some of the teams, and in fact, maybe part of what they benefited from was just 
Utah, who was ahead of them at the time. <laughs> yeah, just, just completely punting and them moonwalking back in the standings. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, you know what? You know what else we could say, too? Con- uh, Minnesota getting Conley. Was really I was going to say, what may yeah. end up being the most monumental as far as as far as far June goes, what if it ends up being Minnesota getting Conley and Nikhil Alexander-Walker? Yeah, who is also in their rotation, by the way. That's... The Jazz could could use Nikhil Alexander Walker uh, as part of their program right now. They they traded yeah. him to open up time for Ochai who isn't even on the team anymore now, and wasn't notably good even when he was. Hey, he had like you know a couple of months last year. Um, well, so yeah, let, let's let's go back to that Phoenix deal and just gonna uh, the Sarich one or. <laughs> All right, so th- this is these are the terms, just so everyone has it here. Kevin Durant and TJ Warren, who had like a good month in Brooklyn. I thought he was actually going to figure in Phoenix. He was oh, out he of figured, he he was a factor in the playoffs. The Nets received only two players, Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson, uh, and a shitload of savings. One yes. Pablo Valet. That's a that's a blast from the past, right there. 2023 first from Phoenix. So, so that's already in the books. That was which of, uh, I can't remember which of Whitehead or Clowney that ended up being. Those were consecutive picks, if I remember right. They were, right. Yeah. yeah. So the effectively. Pick was technically yeah. the one from Phoenix. Okay. Thank you. Uh, yeah, that hasn't figured at all so far. 2025 first from Phoenix. 2027 first from Phoenix. 2028 swap, Milwaukee's 2028 second, 2029 first from Phoenix, and Milwaukee's 2029 second. Those seconds actually ended up kind of being big, right? Uh, well, oh, I guess it ended up being a three-way in yeah. which the Bucks also this got Jay Crowder. The, so. This is the Jay Crowder trade. So those seconds were part of the Jay Crowder trade. That All right, the, so those came from Phoenix Milwaukee. Then, those didn't come from yeah. Phoenix. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, and uh, the Pacers were involved in this. Now, this that, by the way, there. was the other wild thing about last trade deadline that didn't really carry over to this one. We had three seconds for Buddy Heald, but we didn't have yeah. any of these crazy deals with like, okay, we're out of first, so we'll give you seven seconds, you know? Uh, so, because last yeah. year we had, we had, I think it was five seconds for Crowder and five seconds for Peyton and three seconds for Sadiq Bey. Was that right? Uh, so... I believe a number of – so like the five seconds of that Pistons, Hawks, Warriors part of that, I think those five seconds ended up actually being exchanged for three different players in the end. Is that right? Bay, Hawks for Bay, and then the Hawks give up another two to get out of the tax uh, to Houston in one of those yeah. hilariously irrelevant trades. Uh, then the Pistons, I think, didn't they turn around – and, and do, give up those five seconds for Wiseman? Yes, but it was it was two from Detroit. Only three of the original seconds were from Atlanta, and Detroit supplied two others, I think. And then, yeah, I think Golden State kind of whittled it down a little bit more to take a few of the other good seconds and trade it for Peyton. But in theory, Bay, Wiseman, and Peyton all kind of got moved successively. Yeah. For the price of five seconds, and then Crowder, same way. And then the box gave up three future seconds just to get off of George Hill, Serge Ibaka, and Jordan Moore. No, I think that was that was part of the five they gave up for Crowder. Well, how did the Pacers get three future seconds then? Uh, 
because they did, they did the salary match with Indiana rather than doing it with Phoenix because Phoenix didn't want to take back money, right? Yeah, I think the, uh, this NBA.com or, summary I'm or, looking yeah, at this is maybe the not, summary gets not a little as back, clear. But, but for them to do, I think for them to do Bridges, Johnson, and Crowder for Kevin Durant, they couldn't take back any other money. So the Pacers had to take the money. So they had to pay the Pacers to take the money. So that's why three of the seconds from Milwaukee end up in Indiana. Yeah, okay. But that was a lot of money to pay the, or a lot of future assets that could have been useful to pay the Pacers just to take, take some money on. But yeah, I, I think your point is a good one that the prices really seem to go down almost this year compared to last year, right? Like Buddy Heald would seem to me like someone who has more stature than Gary Sadiq Payton II. <laughs> yeah. I think the well, expiring Barry had con- more stature at that point, I would say. The expiring contract hurt hurt Buddy Heald, I think. Yeah. Or rather hurt his trade value in the yeah, market. But certainly the idea of giving up five seconds at this trade deadline for a Gary Payton the second seems like that would be not something that would happen for a player of that caliber yeah. at this deadline. Yeah. Um but let, let's go back to the, the Phoenix Brooklyn portion mm-hmm. of this though. How is that looking for either side a little more than a year on? So my view at the time, I'm trying. I I thought it was probably the 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 card for Phoenix to play. I thought they overpaid maybe a little bit that they bid against themselves a little bit that they got like a little too hot and heavy once once he was available. Um, but I th- I think we've seen that the way things were going with with CP that time time was running out on that first version of their finals team and they need to get to the next one and really I mean Phoenix gave Denver probably their toughest series in the playoffs and so they you know they- yeah well they were also the highest seed that Denver uh, faced <laughs> by by three <laughs> the Denver faced a seven and two eights <laughs> I well, and they also uh, now the injuries hurt them too. CP and and then Eaton in the last game, but yeah, uh, they they did go out in desultory fashion, and they the reason for that was they had nobody on the team other than Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and DeAndre. Yeah, their their bench was absolutely brutal, and so obviously trading two good players to get Kevin Durant. But on the other hand, then you don't have Kevin Durant, and you lose anyway. So I think. For me, my feeling at the time was if your two options were do the deal or not do the deal, yeah, they weren't winning a championship with that version of the team. Let's also keep in mind that they didn't know that the second apron was going to exist at that time. That has further hamstrung their yes. team building this year. Yes. And that, uh, just, just talking to people at the time, like that definitely came as a surprise to the tax teams, even, even in July of that year, how hard they were going to get hit with, with the new CBA. So there was no way Phoenix could have seen that coming from February. Yeah. And quite frankly, they probably could have maybe wheedled a better deal just be, if had they known about those restrictions and they would have had, a, I don't know if you want to say a leverage point, but they could have, they, they would have had been more credibly able to be like, hey, we're not going to do this unless we're able to hold on to some of these these players or send you back different salary or something like that. But so my feeling was, yeah, if your options are do it or don't do it, because remember, there's the whole thing with the exploding offer from the Nets and they weren't going to do it. And then Matt Ishbia comes in on the Wednesday night before the deadline and says, no, we're going we're gonna to do it, throw in everything basically mm-hmm. that we can. 
And then, of course, they end up doing the Beal trade as well, which they might have even had some idea was a possibility at that time. But eh, maybe not because the uh, the Wizards got new management after the season. So they, they probably but they felt maybe there was another move to be made. But I think ultimately in the end, given what happened, like they weren't close to good enough. Right. And I think a lot of people at the time were saying, well, Phoenix is like the obvious favorite in the West right now. And I was like, yeah, OK. I mean, there's nobody that sexy in the West. And as it turned out, Denver proved themselves to be that sexy and they got rid of Phoenix pretty easily. Like that Phoenix team wasn't close to good enough in the end, in part due to some of the health issues with Chris Paul. But Chris Paul was, you know, was not I mean, he, he had his last superstar game in game two of the 2022 second round. And that was kind of it. So from my standpoint, they would have been better off just waiting until the offseason than giving up absolutely everything because you felt like, oh, they're getting KD right now. Like the, this is maybe their best bite at the Apple is when KD is 34, but that team wasn't close to good enough. So you weren't really getting that much by doing it then as opposed to waiting until the offseason. And presumably getting a better deal. I mean, you think, I mean, you might be well, bidding well, against and also more Mikhail people Bridges, when you the offseason. You pointed this out at the time. You remember this? That you're like, oh, Mikhail Bridges, that's interesting. He scored like 20 points in like six straight games right before the trade. Yeah, he went bananas in Brooklyn after he got traded. And so if you just play the season out, he probably plays a lot better. And then you're maybe in a different position where trading him, he has even more value. You can keep some of this other stuff out of the deal. Or maybe Brooklyn is in more of a more difficulty with KD. You know, now who knows how Brooklyn season would have played out, but I don't think Brooklyn would have. Uh, would have contended in the East necessarily. Maybe they could have, but they're they just didn't have any other playmaking or scoring other than KD. Yeah, but I think. What do you think of that? Do you think Phoenix should have just waited? I mean, there's a possibility someone else would have gotten in, but they knew KD wanted to be there. That would have mattered. I to, to me the, the getting the extra playoff run with KD, even though it ultimately didn't work, the team ultimately wasn't good enough. I mean, you have to assume a little bit of uncertainty, you know, when you're doing this. Like I, I prob I probably would have gone ahead and done it then if it, if it was between that or never ever doing the deal. Yeah, well, let's. I mean, they could have negotiated, tried to negotiate yeah. a little harder and see. I think see I think that was the held biggest on to thing. like one pick or something. I think that was the biggest thing is that they. I thought they clearly just negotiated against themselves and i yeah which was the genius of the exploding offer i suppose yeah you know you you hear stories like that and you just wonder like okay the offer exploded okay now what asshole like who, who are you going to trade him to now <laughs> <laughs> you know like, uh, I, uh, I don't know about that one yeah it, it did seem like that's uh, that is somewhat of a, a false construct I guess because to me, I'm like, hey, are they better off after the trade than before as far as potentially winning a championship? Yes. But in another way of thinking about it, you don't make that type of an all-in trade unless you feel like you're really a championship favorite. And I didn't feel that way about them. Now, some people did think that way about them. Yeah. Uh, but I, I disagreed with them and the issues that I foresaw ended up uh, becoming their undoing. Now, also, the other thing we got to remember, too, is like they had no continuity, right? Like KD was hurt and basically like, hadn't played with CP and Booker before even the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Him getting hurt in the layup line definitely uh, probably impacted their postseason in, in ways that we can't really quantify. Yeah. And CP went down. Shit, they might have lost that series to the Clippers if Kawhi doesn't get hurt, even without Paul George. And they wouldn't know yeah. that Paul George is going to be here. Like the Clippers could have actually like 
been heard from last year at at the time of the trade deadline they made moves which we'll talk about in a little bit of uh like acting like they were gonna have their team and we just kind of forget that they just were torpedoed again last year so yeah i mean it's really difficult to to parse it but i think like i was on the borderline of like okay yeah if truly my only options were deal or no deal i would do it but i do think that that third door just should have been explored further and that they should have tried to do it again in the summer and also you know maybe their their team with like what else could they have gotten with mikhail bridges devin booker and all of their draft pick equity available maybe it wasn't kitty but it wasn't like they were never going to be able to do anything and so they ended up selling lower on bridges than uh, they could have so in the end i would go back and say that they should have handled it differently some some reasons they couldn't have seen coming but one was just that they you know bridges was starting to take off and that they just weren't that good once they got katie yeah um i don't know so so did i convince you yeah. or you feel like you still would have would have done it no i'm i'm saying i th- i thought they i thought they yeah it's 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 tough if it was just deal dealer no deal if this is your only chance to get t kd and this is what you have to pay for him man I don't know. I mean, I yeah, might have yeah. even waited for the next KD. I don't know. You know, the other thing they could have explored, which it doesn't seem like they really did, is trading bridges to a third team and getting picks and using those picks to trade for Durant. Because, I mean, I think Brooklyn cared more about the picks than bridges. Well, it seems like they wanted bridges because they want to, like, now trade for their next star. Mm-hmm. Because if Brooklyn cared more about the picks, like Mikhail Bridges would have got traded at this deadline, probably right or last off season. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. Because yeah, I, I think if Brooklyn had their own picks, you your thinking would probably be correct. Uh, but I think they they had designs of like being a plucky six seed these next couple of years, and they were last year. But uh, well, they, have, they were they a six seed, have, but they weren't plucky. No, they <laughs> were year. they were a hard team to trade with because they had no tanking incentive because of the picks they owe from the Harden deal. Yeah, um, yeah. So a lot of this is outcome based decision making. It is tough, but I, I think and KD being injured and the Suns having no continuity. Like part of why they lost that series was they just had no continuity. They had no idea what they were as a team. They were trying something new every quarter it seemed like yeah anyone who's seen our youtube videos knows that i don't wear formal stuff all the time so when it's time to dress up rather than dress down i highly recommend inochino they were the official outfitter of my wedding i got my tux from there all my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well i felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly because when you go somewhere else you're not going to get something that's made for you so why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you and not only does indochino have the suits that made them famous but now they've got everything blazers pants women's wear outerwear designed and made for you hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from european wools linen cottons tons of colors tons of patterns you can customize things like the lapel the vents the pockets and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style so level up your game with indochino go to indochino.com and use the code per easy to remember because john invented it use per to get 10 percent off any purchase of 399 dollars or more that's 10 percent off at indochino i-n-d-o-c-h-i-n-o indochino.com and don't forget that per code to let them know you came from us
I remember after college, before I was going to move on to the next chapter of my life, my buddy and I went to Hilton Head, South Carolina to work some summer jobs and hang out. We had a great time, except for his car. His car was awful. We called it the POS. It was like a 91 Oldsmobile Cutlass Sierra. We're allowed to talk about Oldsmobile now that it's a defunct brand, right? Is that okay? This thing had the turning radius of a World War I battleship, broke down all the time, just a, a miserable vehicle to drive. And when customers are rushing to your store, you want a point of sale system that you can trust, not a real POS like my buddy's car. You need Shopify for retail. It makes it easy to accept payments, manage orders, and build relationships with customers. You can sell in person, backed by everything that you need to sell online, track every sale across your business in one place, know exactly what's in stock, connect with customers in line and online. You can drive in-person store traffic with plug-and-play tools for marketing campaigns on social media, Get great hardware that fits your business, accept credit cards, mobile payments, every other major payment method, all with low fees and transparent pricing starting on day one. Plus, their award-winning help is there to support you every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash PER. All lowercase, easy to remember slash PER because John invented PER. Go to shopify.com slash PER to take your retail business to the next level. Today, that's shopify.com slash per how about the Kyrie portion of the net stealings so should we just say what it was first yeah uh Kyrie Irving and Markeith Morris uh to Dallas Nets get Spencer Dinwiddie Dorian Finney-Smith two seconds and a 2029 first that is completely unprotected right that is correct so I think Dallas did pretty well out of this. They they traded two players who had kind of blah money going into future years and got the best player they could have gotten with one first round pick. You know, obviously he comes with problems or baggage or whatever, and that's why he cost what he cost and, and not more. But like, like Kyrie, other than being hurt on occasion, he's actually worked out better than they could possibly hope. He's played really well and he's been like a great citizen there. And they got him on a totally yeah. reasonable contract, I thought, also. Yeah, they re-signed him for less than the max. That was the other thing. Is Kyrie going to re-sign or is he going to go to the Lakers or whatever? No, he re-signed. So that kind of took a lot of the risk out of that. Now, the risk that's still there is that it's a it's a first way in the future. and We don't know what Dallas's future is going to look like, if Luke is going to be happy there or whatever. Um, but I, I think Dallas made out pretty well on this. I would somewhat dispute your characterization of Finney Smith as having blah money. I, I think he's... Someone who, you know, they were offered probably two middling firsts for him last offseason. I'm sure they could have got one for him. So he, like, he was deemed to be a nice asset. And Dinwood even too, like he was worth his contract. Like I thought, now I think both of those guys have disappointed in Brooklyn and Dinwood, he ended up getting traded and waived. Like I didn't see that coming yeah. necessarily. Uh, like we thought that Dallas kind of overpaid and Brooklyn did really well there. And they probably did really well. Let me ask you this, John. Should I mean, Brooklyn? Brooklyn, Brooklyn had to trade him. I mean, my God. Like, that that was part of it. <laughs> like, he, he just, he had to go. Did he? Especially knowing that then KD would also want to be traded as well? I mean, sure, he was like a complete headache and, you know, had to go. By the way, Kyrie Irving, very good business to request the trade, I, I think. Uh, but but it, that's neither here nor there. I think... Are you like loving Brooklyn's future right now? Like they've been totally, they've wasted a whole year already. They're going to waste another year and a half up until 2025. 
Yeah, they got to figure out how to leverage the Harden picks. I mean, that's that's the big thing. I mean, this is a you know this is a time bomb trade, right? Because they get they're sitting on a 2029 unprotected first that could end up being really valuable. But what what are they going to do between now and then to rebuild their team? I mean, I do. I there was this whole bigger thing of you know Brooklyn needed to kind of regain control of its team again. Yeah, and these these trades were part of part of that too, especially the the Kyrie trade. Obviously, yeah. I don't and, think KDE was uh, like causing problems. No, but I also I also think once once James Harden was out of there, like the, I think the handwriting was on the wall a little bit. I mean, what weren't they like until KD got hurt last year? They were like one of the best teams in the East. Like they. They like Boston ended up losing. Like Miami took a flamethrower to the whole East bracket. Like I mean, I, I'm not going to say they would have been favored to win in the East, but they probably would have had as good a chance as anybody. Now, yeah, could could they have gotten Kyrie to play? Maybe they should have just called his bluff and said, "Hey, like you have to play. Like you're you're going to just torpedo your whole career. You're about to be a free agent. And by the way, hey, we might even pay you <laughs> if if right. things go well. Right." Now, Kyrie did really seem like he was wanted to be out of there, and maybe they just felt like they couldn't risk that. But knowing that KD would also demand a trade, you know, again, we're way too way too early to say where they're going to be, right? Like maybe they get you know the number one and the number two picks in twenty twenty nine, and then we'll say it was a good trade at that point. Yeah, yeah. I, I said the Houston picks before. I meant the Phoenix picks, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, it's really fascinating. Where where are they going to go? Are they? Do you think they're? Are they? happier were they happier the last year than they were before that i i mean i, I think they were actually had like anyone who worked for that team is probably happier but i don't know if they're <laughs> i don't know if they're happier in terms of wins and losses yeah but uh, i i mean i i understand you having worked for a team it's it's much easier i'm sure for you to understand the idea of like hey we just had to fucking get rid of this guy yeah and i don't know like, maybe you know and maybe that's maybe that's I mean, you you could argue that's an overreaction, and time passes, and whatever. But I that that didn't feel like a situation that was going to get appreciably better. And perhaps they felt like, hey, he's just going to leave for the Lakers in the off season. We got to get something for him. We don't want to pay him. That's true. His that's true. Contract. Too. There there was a flight risk there that uh, we kind of glossed over. But yeah, yeah. So perhaps the relationship was beyond repair. But I do always wonder what would happen if they had just kept KD and Kyrie. I think getting Juan Pablo Valet, though, really kind of offsets that. So, uh, John, just for fun here, what year and what pick was Juan Pablo Valet? Just give me, give me your best guess. I don't, I don't know either. I'm going to just guess. I think it was 2015. I think he went like 41st to Brooklyn. I remember we were like trying to get tape from him from Argentina. <laughs> it's like nobody even knew who the hell the guy was. And like people started talking him up all of a sudden. And, and we, we were like kind of watching it. We're like, I, 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 I don't get it. Like, I, <laughs> I, I, I don't understand this at all. <laughs> so anyway, that, uh, that, that was yeah. a, that that's I, I'm gonna guess he was number thirty nine. I was gonna say twenty sixteen, but you right you might be right. Let's see. Juan Pablo Valle. He's playing uh for a team in the ACB Manresa NBA rights, twenty fifteen NBA draft thirty ninth. So I had the number oh. and you had the year. Wow. Wow. That's why we make a great team. Six eight, two twenty seven. All right, he made it. Made it to the ACB though. Like that's that's yeah. probably like a higher end outcome for what I would have what I would have expected because he was like yeah. in the you know Argentina like you know like two levels above rec league. 
So in the end, so it, let's let's just say who won the KD and Kyrie deals a year on. If you have to pick one, which again we are only one seventh of the way, yeah, temporarily to knowing who actually wins this, and then actually maybe we're we probably won't even know for like fifteen years because we're gonna see <laughs> yeah, who the fuck exactly. who the fuck Dallas drafts or or Brooklyn yeah. drafts in twenty twenty nine or whoever has that pick, and then how good they end up being. So it's just. That's that is how insane is that, John? That like there are trades where it's like you're not going to know how it turned out for like 15 years afterwards. These like seven year in the future picks. It's it's wild, and you really wonder when it's going to hit the fan for these teams that gave up multiple unprotected picks way out into the future, and like when the when does it dawn on teams like wow that was <laughs> that, that was really risky, <laughs> you know we. We, uh, you know, you've seen it obviously with Tatum and Brown in Boston with that trade they made for Bro- with Brooklyn for KD yeah. and Pierce. I, I mean, and OKC and Pierce, excuse me. Yeah, OKC is Shea and Jalen Williams already from that trade. Yeah, we haven't really gotten into the teeth of it yet. So, yeah, that. So, all right, yeah, let's let's answer the question though. As of right now, who won the trade? Those two trades. Brooklyn won the KD trade. Dallas won the Kyrie trade. And yeah, you know who might have lost the Kyrie trade is the Lakers. <laughs> they should have yeah. they should have pushed more in to get him. Yeah, it's still so hard to tell just because of the situation that the Nets were in. Because at the time, I don't think anyone felt like Kyrie was worth more than what uh, Dallas paid. Well, again, on an expiring deal, yeah, I, I think that's right. So, so basically, what you're saying is, yeah, you might argue that Dallas got the more valuable production, but are you said if your options were do the Dallas deal or don't trade him at all, you still would have traded him as Brooklyn, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So maybe it's a win-win in that case, then. Yeah. All right. What were there any of these deals as you went through it again that you were kind of like, oh, that's interesting. I kind of forgot about that. Uh, this is something I hadn't really considered uh, about this now as we go back and look at some of these or any that you were just like, wow, that happened? Really? Like, <laughs> How about Philadelphia getting a Charlotte 2024 second out of that Jalen McDaniels deal? Like, how the hell did that happen? I guess because – wait, is that right? I thought Philly gave Charlotte their own pick back. You might, you might be right. I'm, I'm looking. Yeah, at the I think this is. This I might that, be. I think that, yeah. I think this I think is a right. typo. Yeah. I, okay, I was gonna say. Wait, wait, ooh, I don't know because is, isn't Charlotte second in Oklahoma City now somehow? Yeah, the fact that all these ended up getting made into like 97 team trades, that was another thing we didn't see nearly as much of this year either. Yeah, exactly. This year was much more kind of just two team like for like trades. But Jalen McDaniels, yeah, I had it as Charlotte got their own second back from Philly. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. Okay, but that was the one when I read it, I was like, wait, what happened there? (laughs) Uh, So yeah, but that was an enthible goes to the Blazers. Ultimately, though, Jalen McDaniels was irrelevant in Philly. He barely that was played. The, that was the other surprise that they yeah. that they traded for him and he ended up being totally irrelevant and uh, gone after the season. Yeah, because Charlotte definitely got their own 2023 second back because they uh, drafted James Nagy with that pick. Yeah, so it says it says yeah. in the report 2024 second, but it, it – right, this is this is amazing radio. Maybe we need yeah. to – Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I presume Philly didn't get Jalen McDaniels for free. Um, yeah, the Sixers get out of the tax, of course, as they did at this year's trade deadline. That's a, a Daryl Morey special. Uh, dropped off Matisse, Matisse Thibel in Portland. Yep. And then the other thing, the big part of that deal was the Knicks getting Josh Hart for a first-round pick. 
which yeah, which I he I hated that for New York, and I was completely wrong. Ended up being a great trade for him. Uh, yeah, because he remember he just pick. yeah yeah he, he he wouldn't shoot in Portland. He he yeah. like completely like he just wouldn't shoot a three. Um, and he and still then, didn't take many more in New York. He made more, but like obviously he was exactly what they're looking for. And part of the reason was he had the player option, so he's about to be free agent. I was like, man, for you to, to get a first for Josh Hart, who's not even playing that well, was amazing work for Portland. I still think it was, but. Great job by the Knicks identifying Josh Hart as someone who would just fit in really well with how they wanted to play and who could be better than he was in Portland. And like he, like they took off as soon as they got him. That was a great trade for them. Yep. And the pick ended up being 23rd, Chris Murray. Chris Murray, who we'll see what happens with him, but he's not looking like a superstar so far. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really, it is remarkable as I go through this, like how many players got moved that we thought might help a playoff team and just ended up like not mattering. Uh, you know, Eric Gordon, we thought it was big that the Clippers got him and Houston had to kind of get creative by just doing this pick swap, uh, which ended up being 20 for 30. Yeah. Which was huge for Houston as it turns out, cause they ended up with Cam Whitmore instead of Kobe Brown. And then the Clippers end up cutting Gordon because he just wasn't worth keeping around with their tax situation at that number. Yeah. But I mean, I think Gordon was fine for them in the playoffs, but of course the Clippers weren't healthy enough for that to matter in any way. Uh, the Clips all, yeah, we just, let's just talk about the Clippers generally. They also got Mason Plumley and gave up their 2028 second and Reggie Jackson to do that. that. Was, I thought that was a good trade because they got Plumley's bird rights, ended up bringing him back. You know, not, not going to move the needle at a high level, but just as a depth piece for a team that needed more size, I thought that was good. Yeah. I was just concerned that, and then of course they ended up getting Westbrook on the buyout market after that. I was just concerned that he doesn't really protect the rim and also doesn't shoot. So kind of what's the point of having him out there? And he's been hurt this year. I don't think he played particularly well in last year's playoffs. And I mean, the Clippers just being so injured last year that like, that Plumlee just had to play and it wasn't like oh man I can't believe they're playing him but this this did augur that they were basically going to play with a center just about all the time and it was also an indication that some of those small ball lineups just weren't working anymore due to the decline of guys like Covington and Marcus Morris so they they did have to go in just a new direction and Zubac got better and Plumley. and now they had they had Tice as well uh when Plumley was injured but they're basically you know, other than like at the end of games going with the center all the time I I yeah. still don't think that uh, Plumley hasn't been as bad for them as I thought because I was concerned he was going to do this like try to handle the ball and post up all the time and he's actually <laughs> like he's actually just stayed out of the way on yeah. offense and so I think that's made it less damaging than I feared it might be yeah uh speaking of guys who underwhelmed in the playoffs uh so the the other part of that deal was that the Grizzlies got Luke Kennard and they traded three seconds for him. Yeah, I didn't really, I didn't like that for the Grizzlies at the time. My thinking was Luke Kennard is not really a playoff player because he can't defend. And yeah, he might be a nice offensive fit. They need more shooting, but just kind of what's the point of having this guy making $14 million on your team and giving up a bunch to get him? Yeah, and it still kind of feels that way in Memphis, even with how desperate they've been for shooting. Like, even with them missing half their team, Kennard's just like, yeah, he's a nice guy. He comes off the yeah. bench. You know? Well, and he can't, like, his knees are so fucked up. It seems like he can't yeah. pay, play more than, like, 25 minutes a game anyway. Yeah, so um, now yeah. they still have that player option with him now. They didn't they didn't move him at the trade deadline. I wonder if they'll see what they can do with that on draft night and then probably decline the option if they can't be used as matching 
salary. Yeah, I do wonder what's going to happen there uh, with him because they, they are so impacted with the, the tax next year. They've opened up a little breathing room. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Golden State? Holy shit, did they do a great job of moving James Wiseman when they did <laughs> Like for a twelve million, like deader than dead salary. Like I was talking about yeah. this with Danny with the worst contracts in the league, like with yeah. Vucevic, where it's like the guy's so bad, but he hurts you even more than like totally dead salary because he still is playing. So <laughs> like Wiseman makes twelve million dollars this year. Yeah. And they got five seconds for him. Now they turn around and went to go get Gary Payton the second, and that ended up not I, I don't know, maybe getting Gary Payton the second enabled them to escape the first round. Like he probably did enough in that series. Yeah, and they also they skimmed a little. Those five seconds when they went from Detroit to Portland weren't the same five seconds. Yeah. Uh, so the, the Warriors skimmed a little on quality to, and sent a couple worse ones up to Portland. So they they now obviously they would have been better off if they had gotten Sadiq Bay in, instead of Peyton. But at the at the same time, Peyton was the guy they knew. And then there was a whole other thing with this trade, obviously, where it almost blew up because of Peyton's physical. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, and then Sadiq Bay, I think you would have to, have to accurately characterize him as a disappointment, right? A disappointment. I mean, good for Atlanta in the sense that they needed somebody to fill that role on a controlled salary for a year and a half and get them out of, and they got out of luxury tax, which is what happened. But yeah, I mean, he just, he just hasn't progressed. He's actually gone a little backwards as a shooter, hasn't really progressed in any other areas. It's going to be interesting to see what decision they make with him after this season among many difficult decisions in Atlanta, I think that are coming. So let's talk about the Lakers, Minnesota, Utah trade. And then I, yeah. I have a, a question I want to ask you that I think is, is pretty interesting, but how do you, so we'll go through it again. Utah gets Russell Westbrook, buys him out, wants his kind of Anderson, Damian Jones and the jewel, the 2027 Lakers first protected one to four that does not turn into anything other than I think just a second. It doesn't roll over. Lakers get D'Angelo Russell. I said I said in in the analysis that I wonder if they figured out what extension he's going to require that obviously was not the case uh Lakers got Malik Beasley and they got Jared Vanderbilt Minnesota gets Mike Conley Nikhil Alexander Walker and actually a couple of, of seconds including one that Minnesota is going to get something out of the lesser of Washington and Memphis in 2024 uh and two other seconds so like Minnesota is probably the biggest winner of that deal aren't they are they the? Are they the? They might be. I I want. I I think after this season, you'd be able to say that more definitively. I mean, right now it's looking really good for them because it turned around their season last year. They got into the playoffs, and then this year, obviously, they've been a juggernaut, a top four team in the West. I I don't know exactly what place they're in at this exact moment, but one through four are very tight in the top of the West, right? And they're in there. Um, and with again, Conley has been 
such a huge factor in that. I obviously am a. Uh, he was the best player in the trade. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and just, and he was exactly what Minnesota needed. Just like a settle everybody down point guard who could get everybody else going in the right places and was, would look for his own stuff secondarily. Like that was exactly what they needed. Uh, and then Alexander and, and they Walker, got paid, they got paid to swap Conley for Russell in three, with three seconds. Exactly. Or, or swap Russell for Conley, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. And that Russell, it just wasn't right. It, the fit wasn't right. Now, Russell fits much better in LA than he did in Minnesota, but the, the fit just wasn't there. And then getting Alexander Walker helped them, uh, helped them over, overcome their addiction to playing Austin Rivers too, if you remember <laughs> that. Um, and so I, I, yeah, that was a, a fantastic save by Minnesota when it really looked like that Gobert trade was going to be a gigantic disaster. Uh, and it still might be, but I think, you know, they're, they're at least good now, right? Yeah, the, exactly. And I mean, they're probably, they're as good as I think you could have possibly hoped they would be in the regular season. And, and like the Lakers have just got to be kicking themselves to have not just taken Mike Conley. The theory surely was, well, maybe these guys are kind of equal talents, but we need someone who can be a little bit more active as a scorer. Also worth noting that Austin Reeves hadn't really emerged yet. As an on-ball guy at that point, he wasn't even really starting for them. So I think that that, his emergence, had they known that was going to happen, maybe that would have made more sense to get Conley. But Conley, they're like, well, he, he's had health issues in Utah and like, you know, he was playing very well in Utah, but he's 35 and Russell, we want someone that can be a part of this group. Uh, we'll sign him to his next contract. Like he's, Russell also was just shooting way above his head in Minnesota for the first half of that year. And so I think mm-hmm. they were seducing that. And now obviously the fact that Russell just signed this one plus one and forfeited his right to seek a trade shows that the long-term marriage between the Lakers and Russell is probably not going to happen and that Conley actually was under contract for another year now that he was under contract maybe for a little bit more than Russell and so that could have made their but then they might have also not had to use the mid-level on Gabe Vincent if they had Conley who was playing better and so uh, ultimately I think the Lakers clearly made a mistake in not just getting Conley. Um, so yeah. the other way that that hurt them is that they didn't have any expiring salary to use at this trade deadline. Like yeah. Con- Conley would have been the salary that they used uh, in order to make other deals. And they were kind of, you know, like the DeJounte Murray deal, for instance. And they were kind of blocked from doing that by Russell's contract and the fact they had no other expiring money that, that could be used as matching salary. I mean, they had like Torian Prince's expiring, but it wasn't nearly enough to, no. to match. Uh yeah, now getting Jared Vanderbilt was useful. Like he he was helpful, though obviously he had to be minimized more in the playoffs as time went on. The other thing, I thought Malik Beasley was going to help them a ton. And if they had gotten the Malik Beasley who played the first half of the year in Utah or has played this season in Milwaukee, he probably would have really helped them. They just needed someone desperately who was going to bomb threes. And Beasley acknowledged that you know he was going through some personal issues, and that's part of why he just wasn't that good in LA. And he ended up just not figuring there. Yeah. At all that's another thing that just was really disappointing they he had a team option that sure they were very excited about potentially bringing him back in that team option and there was never even any thought of doing that ended because he was so poor mi- for them ended up taking a minimum a i mean minimum. that was a team option for like 15 right yeah yeah so clearly the lakers needed to make this trade just to move on from russ 
and to get some bodies. But yeah, it would have been lovely for them to just get like just do the deal with Utah and get Mike Conley and Nikhil Alexander Walker and never even involve Minnesota. Yeah, they could have. Vanderbilt came from Utah too, didn't he? He did. So yeah, he would have been in that too, I think. Yeah, Vanderbilt, Beasley, and Conley would all have been in that. And for Utah's standpoint, I think they just, they got what they could. They also then were able to stealth tank by moving Conley enough. They still were surprisingly competent, but they kept their pick, which was top 10 protected, right? Oh no, sorry. It was not top 10 protected. That's this year. Uh, But they did move all the way up to number nine to get Taylor Hendricks. We'll see what he becomes. So I, I think Utah, I kind of feel the same about it now as I did at that point. I, I think all three teams in that deal, if you said, if you said it, it, to either not do the deal or do the deal they did, all three of them would say absolutely do the deal we did. Right. Without a yeah. doubt. All right. Were there any other like big trades that you wanted to talk about? Yeah. Yakup uh, Pertle. Yeah. What a disaster that is for, I, I hated it at the time for Toronto and I now feel even worse about it. I actually felt okay about it for Toronto at the time, and now it looks like a terrible trade. Uh, obviously, it's it's kind of it's an obstacle to them uh, this year. I mean, they could potentially hand over the seventh pick in the draft for yeah. like a, a functional center. <laughs> you know, like he's he's fine. Um, and they still and that was just to get his uh, his bird rights. His yeah, bird rights, like, right? Now, I mean, they still had yeah. to go ahead and sign him, and it was a first. It was a first in two seconds, actually. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, just for it to be a top six protected pick and it just so limited toronto's optionality at any point after that and they didn't even for them to not even make the playoffs their stats with Pertle on the floor after they got him were pretty good but i mean i don't think he's the contract they gave him was even more than i thought it would be and he Mm -hmm. has underperformed that like he has now become a bad contract he obviously doesn't help them that much he's missed some time but they're you know they're winning a third of their games the thought was like oh this is the we're going to get us back to the level we were at in 22 when we we're the sixth seed and they did play better but then they lose van fleet as well i mean that was the other, like just none of those pieces fit together in any yeah. way yeah the thing that the thing they needed to do was was to check out rather than to go further in they needed to trade fred for for a pick uh not do the portal deal and then follow through with exactly what they did with Ananobi and Siakam anyway. Right. And they just they just played it out too far. So here's my question for you. And, and San Antonio did amazingly well, obviously, in that deal. Here's my question for you. Of the players that playoff teams who were trying to get better for that year acquired, how many of those would you say played to the level of expectations or overperformed? Because I see a ton of disappointments here. Like Hart would be one. We talked about him. Who else was like better than expected? Rui Hachimura. Okay. Yeah. Uh, although he's probably been worse than he's probably been about what would have been expected. But, <laughs> but he, you know, he yeah. did have he had a some crazy hot shooting in the playoffs. Yeah, he he was important in the playoffs. That's a good one. Um, I would say trading multiple seconds for Thomas Bryant or Mike Muscala is not something you should probably try to do. <laughs> multiple seconds for Mike Muscala. How did they? Maybe they just felt like he would be useful for them in the regular season, but they, he was never going to play a second in the playoffs. Yeah, that was a. I mean, Boston has been so on point the last couple of years, but that's that one's that that's the one that's like, yeah, yeah guys, I don't know. Uh, Bones Highland, he's disappointed. Not that he was necessarily going to fortify them that much. Jalen McDaniels, we talked about disappointed. Jay Crowder was couldn't even get on the floor Brutal. in that playoff series. Brutal. And yeah. re-signed for the minimum. Yeah. 
Uh, let's see who else is out there. Yeah, Purtle disappointed. I think Russell Russell was probably about what could reasonably have been expected. Yeah. Although they still weren't anticipating him being benched by the end of a playoff series. No, I, I no, actually that's not true. You would have to say he was worse than expected because he signed way worse of a contract than I think anyone would have thought he was going to sign. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Conley probably better just from a health standpoint. He's been better, he, but he's yeah. played just, he's been Mike Conley. Alexander Walker has been better. Beasley was worse. TJ Warren was worse. <laughs> oh my God. Was he worse? Wow. Those lineups Phoenix put out there in the Denver series when they had TJ Warren and Terrence Ross at the same time. Terrence oh Ross. <laughs> so I guess this was. This trade deadline in the end, we may look back on as as a follow up to like one of the craziest off seasons ever of just guys continuing to be very overvalued. And now maybe we'll feel the same about Daniel Gafford and PJ Washington. But perhaps the lesson is like those guys are at least young guys who can get better. And, you know, some of the vets that got traded for just ended up not really coming through. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious if we, if we see these heaps of seconds in trades again. Well, yeah. And also the teams just don't have them anymore. <laughs> well, that's how, that's our, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, maybe Oklahoma City will start doing it now. Hey, we'll give you 13 seconds. <laughs> All right. I think, I think we're done here. This is, this was fun to look back on this. There are really a lot of, Sli- yeah. I mean, this is like the Kevin Durant trade is easily the biggest deadline deal that's ever happened. We will, I think we will go the rest of our lives and not see that, that big of a deadline deal. And it's one of the biggest deals, period. And most yeah. of them usually happen in the off season. Yeah. I guess, I guess you're right. Yeah. That would be a wow, fun I hadn't pod. really thought of it that yeah. way. What, like, what are the biggest deadline deals? Yeah. I'm like, what about Darren Williams? It's like, no, no, actually, Darren Williams is not Kevin Durant. <laughs> Well, and that was, I don't think that was even necessarily at the deadline either. I think that happened. It was, uh, it was in season, but I don't think it was quite the deadline. Yeah. But yeah, that, that would be interesting to go back and just rank like our like most important, like biggest trade someday. Uh, we'll do it during the, the next either lockout or uh, global pandemic, <laughs> whichever one we're really just hurting for content. All right. Well, sadly, we do not have time to eliminate a team from the playoffs today, but uh, there's there's plenty of time uh, to get that done. And uh, John, thanks for joining us. And we'll be back in a few days here on Dunk Down Prime. Talk to you all soon. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.